Welcome to Tales, Tunes, and Tom Fullery, starring Jerry Springer, along with Gene Galvin and me. I'm Megan Hills. We're recorded live in front of a brilliant studio audience at the Folk School Coffee Parlor in Ludlow, Kentucky. My daddy came home. And here he is, ladies and gentlemen, the one, the only, Jerry Springer. Thank you. What a a surprise. I I didn't know you all were here. Thank you. Thank you very much. Hey. Hey, Jerry. Yes. Uh, By the way, Megan, how are you? Doing good. By the way, later, Jerry is going to talk about the potential for a contested Republican convention, and uh, he's got some pretty interesting ideas on it. We also have Al Scorch, who is a Roots Music performer from Chicago, who will be performing, and we're going to talk a little bit more uh, about him later. Uh, and Jerry, I wanted to ask you about, since it's spring, happy spring, happy Megan. Spring. Jerry, happy spring. Happy spring. No. <laughs> no, I meant happy spring. Springer. No, no, no. no. Springer's your season. <laughs> oh what is that? No, does that mean there's wind? No, we had a guest. This is true. <laughs> Last week we had a guest on, you know, on the TV show, and her name was Summer. No. Springer. I. We're half a year right here. <laughs> Hello, oh, testing. It's yeah. So bad. It's no, so they bad. actually booed me. I thank God. On your own show, you get booed. You know, Megan, Jerry is and is perceived to be a, just a real party guy. He's the kind of person that like, whoa, man. Yeah, until you Springer. go out with him for happy hour. Oh, I, yeah, no, well, <laughs> check long. this out. Check this out. Yeah. Saturday night, yeah. we did a special podcast, a yeah. baseball-centric, having oh, to do right, with Major right. League Baseball opening day. Megan was on a cruise and couldn't uh, work that night. <laughs> it was my sister's uh, She's birthday. at the eighth oh, cruise of the... Of the... Had in the year? <laughs> hey, Megan, listen to what happened. So we go to dinner afterwards. Yeah. So it's me, Jerry, and an old college friend of mine, and we're at a place in the Cincinnati area called Molly Malone's, an oh, Irish love bar. Love Molly's, great place. Yeah. So we're in there. Yeah. Jerry walks in, and the place starts buzzing. Oh, Springer's in the house, and some it's Irish people crazy. came over, didn't they, Jerry? For yeah. one thing, yeah, because they're not crazy about the English. Yeah, all right. But they have your show in Ireland, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so they came over and they got some pictures. So, Megan, as we're about to leave, this is at the end of dinner and drinks and stuff. And so, no, no, listen to this. So, this youngish woman. (laughs) <laughs> Love you that know, terminology. Was, no, she's a, she was actually kind of old. She's about 34. Not no, no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding, <laughs> Megan. So listen, much. listen. So this this woman comes there. I'm Snot. guessing she's in her 30s, and she's yeah. carrying four shots. Oh, yeah? It's oh. clear, so I'm thinking it's vodka or, yeah. I don't know, sake or something. So she's got these four shots, and they're all kind of holding them in her hands. She comes over to the table and sort of apologizes for interrupting, and she says, I, we're going to do shots. I'm going to do some a, sh- a shot with Jerry, Jerry Springer. Springer. Shots for all you guys. Yeah, yeah. And so Jerry says, uh, I don't drink. Yeah. It's so and sad. she's, you got to do a shot. With me. No, I don't drink. And she then she's she, really taken aback. I yeah. she was. I wasn't being no, your image, yeah, I guess they would think you And then she looked at my, my buddy and she, because she, she's, well, you just had some beers. I saw it. So you're going to do a shot. No, I'm going to get my car and drive home. Hey, Megan, you're an old bartender. It's not a good right. idea to get in your car and no, have it's, a shot. It's, right it's frowned upon. Frowned in, most, upon. in most states, it's frowned upon. <laughs> yeah. So she looks at me and I said, I'm a recovering alcoholic. And oh, you shouldn't you be pushing not. alcohol on someone like me. <gasps> And, and I went home and had some alcohol. Okay, then I went I home and crushed a bottle of wine. And, uh... and You went home to recover. <laughs> to recover. 
But she had a friend with her with a camera, and I figured it out. It was going to be Instagram time. Oh, yeah. They wanted to get a picture doing shots with Jerry Springer. Absolutely. It didn't happen. No, but I You turned them down completely? They had to stand there and drink them. You uh, got to be. This is true. With the cell phone, I mean, with the- Oh, yeah. You got to be careful. You really do. Because wherever you go into a a restaurant, whatever, there's always- I mean, you know, you got spaghetti coming out of your mouth. Someone's (laughs) snapping a picture (laughs) at the next table. And they're always- We have that picture right Right here. here. Hold on a second. Funny you should mention that. You got that. Everything. (laughs) You go go into the men's room at a ball game. Excuse me? Now, where are you going with this? I know. (laughs) What, what's he? What's he they're talking like, about? Going, was that Italy where he peed on himself? No, was it, you know, they're like five hundred people at, at a ball game. You know, you know the. They shoot. What are they shooting in the middle? Well, they're getting me from the back. What? Oh my god! <laughs> I didn't intend this yeah. to go where this, this is going, Megan. I promise. There's no. <laughs> there's no privacy anywhere. People are. No, I do believe that for you. Are you saying you've seen a cell phone like this when you're like taking a leak or something? No. Well, look, it's it's uh, only audio, so Gene no one knows what I'm talking issues. about. We're, we're free to go as we please. Hey, Jerry. I'll be right with you, okay? Yeah. yeah. Hey, yes. you used to do Springer Break MTV. I always Am I right? Yeah. You true. watched that, didn't you? I did watch Springer Break. So how would some like guy like you who's not really a necessarily a hard partying, big drinking guy, but tell us about Springer. Were you shocked by what you saw at Springer Break? Well, I wasn't. Shock. No, I love Jerry Springer. (laughs) I said, this is wonderful. I just don't drink. But anyway, so uh, you do other stuff though. You just don't drink. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I'm I'm always sober when everything's going on. (laughs) No, it's, um, yeah, the spring break shows, they, it was amazing during, first of all, it was, uh, uh, everything came together at once. The um, MTV, I mean, this is the 90s, Mm -hmm. MTV, the popularity of our show, all those things kind of thing. Yep. When we, Gene and I, when we were in college, spring break was Fort Lauderdale. And that was it. That was it. And it was great. There was a movie but... that came out in 1960, Where the Boys Are. Remember that? Yep. with the About the Fort Lauderdale spring break phenomenon. Yeah. And then, of course, since then, it's, it's become a rite of, of passage mm-hmm. for young people in college, et cetera. And so we did shows down there every year. And they were, I mean... Literally, you'd walk out on the beach and, you know, they saw our stage and everything. 5,000 wow. kids, you know, screaming in their, partly in their bathing suits. Uh, <laughs> what was left of so their So anyway, suits. so we did our shows there. But the but one memory I do have, which was kind of fun, we were going to do a show uh, about with transgender people. And so, but that was going to be the next day. So... You know, the college guys are down there, and they're these beautiful young ladies mm-hmm. sitting b- around the pool. I mean, just one after another, literally bombshells, mm-hmm. you know? And the college guys are coming down, and you know, oh, oh, and they're hitting on every one of them. Absolutely. And this is great. So now, <laughs> the next day, we do the show. Yeah. And we have these college kids coming on to meet these girls they were ogling. Oh, no. Well, Yeah. <laughs> these these so-called beautiful girls had been uh, born men, and, and they, they they were all transgendered. Yeah, all of them. Yeah, well, the ones we had on the show. Yeah, they oh were. My God. And they How didn't. The over? guys didn't <laughs> handle it. The guys didn't handle it well at all. Yeah. And yet, <laughs> I don't know. Drunk college kids in Lauderdale. Yeah. I don't buy that. Yeah, although there was one says, "Man, I don't care." <laughs> 
She's a woman now. <laughs> oh, you know, Let the past be the past. I really want to believe the best in you most of the yeah, time. But don't, yeah. But no, it was, um, and we, the truth is, we have a lot of, and which is wonderful. We, we really do have a lot of transgender people on, uh, on our show. And there is, thankfully, a greater and greater awareness and understanding and support yep. for transgender yeah. people, which, frankly, when the show started, there wasn't. Oh, yeah, I believe that. Oh, the, the audiences were cruel, you know, when you have questions. And, and this is just, as crazy as our show is, the audience is made up of regular college young people. You know, they come from whatever neighborhood you want, but it's... In other words, what you imagine on our show is not what's in the audience. It's just regular folks. And, but there were cruel statements made about yeah. transgender people yeah. and it would constantly. I mean, I got more final thoughts about, hey, back off, you know. Right. No, yeah, it's interesting because yeah. even in the midst of the, what is perceived to be the craziness of your show, you have, and we can goof around about the final thoughts, which came out of you doing the news, right. serious yeah. news in Cincinnati, but you would... Uh, even at times get preachy about that. Mm -hmm. When you think about, when you look back on spring or break, isn't it wonderful when you think <laughs> of your body of work? That, that, is, that would be in there. You didn't even have to say of work. <laughs> yeah. If you would have just said, isn't it wonderful when I think of my body? No. What? And, and you know, and I want to no, compliment you on something. I did it on another podcast, but I want to give another kind of uh, backstory on that. But when my father died, you came to the Jeez. funeral and I appreciate it. And I've already picked the bone with you that you passed out Jerry Springer buttons, Jerry Springer for councils back when you were on city council, going up and down the rows of the pews, handing those out and trying to get everybody to wear them. I thought that was crass, but I, but I will, but I understand you well, had, you had an election. Fairness, it was three weeks before I the election. Hey, you saw an opportunity. You had yeah. to go for it. Maybe it's fair so enough. Selfish, you know, they, even people in grief have political concerns. I understand. <laughs> they need, you know, have a water main fixed or something or a dead animal scooped up. But I will tell you this, Jerry. Um, you know, I was talking to my mom the other day, and Megan, my mom's 92 years old. Yeah. She's a wonderful, principled, uh, very dignified uh, elderly woman. And my mom reminded me of something at my dad's funeral, at my, at my father's funeral. We had the visitation. And my mom sent me, actually, I went with my mom to make sure everything was perfect. And my mom had me take a suit that she felt my dad looked really good in. It was my dad's favorite suit. Took it over to the funeral director. And he says, it's common, no problem. We'll dress him in that. We go to the visitation. Ten minutes before people were to arrive, my mom, who's a perfectionist, said, can I go down and just see that everything's perfect? No problem. We haven't brought the casket up. It's in the downstairs. We got, we're very busy. There are a lot of caskets there, and, you know, disregard those, please. And he is number six in the lineup. We went down, and we looked in. The top was open, and she freaked because my dad was in a suit that she didn't recognize. It didn't fit him. It wasn't his suit. She freaked out 10 minutes before people are coming. Funeral director came over, heard the commotion, and went, oh, my God. He said, this has happened before. We'll handle it. I know we only have 10 minutes. And Mr. Galvin, if you'll take your mom upstairs. So we're walking up. She saw somebody she knew. She stopped in the doorway. And I heard the funeral director on a walkie-talkie say, Billy, get down here and switch the heads on five and six. 
No one should be encouraging that type of humor. That is well, so bad, Mr. Galvin. I well, let me, th- let me tell you about some of you no. who, who don't know Gene that well. <laughs> First of all, may she rest in peace. She died 20 years ago. Yeah. My so, mom did. Yeah. <laughs> you didn't hear Are you serious? You didn't hear this, now, this is not a joke. Ruh-oh. This is a true story, which I can tell. It's an absolutely God's truth story. Mm-hmm. This was when your dad had passed away, and yes. I did go to you know, the, the, the funeral. And there's the service in the chapel. And I am there, and then at the end, you know, people line up, and your mom is there, mm-hmm. and people are lining up, Gene's there, whatever, and offering our condolences. Mm-hmm. Gene's brother, Jerry, is mm-hmm. standing first. The line was Gene's brother, uh, then Gene, and no, then his mom, and then Gene on the other side. Mm-hmm. So first, I go to shake hands with Jerry, and I say, you know, I'm horribly sorry, etc. And he leans down and whispers to me, you know, and it's a solemn moment. He says, can you believe it? She's dating already. <laughs> <laughs> I am not No, it's not true that she was dating, but no. it's true he said that. No. So I do like I look at him. I look at him and I just start yeah, laughing. Yeah, my mom. Well, my now, mom. My mom, mom doesn't know. Very annoyed what at that. Yeah. So I next was very mom, annoyed about that. And I am shaking. I'm looking at her and I'm laughing. And she's going she to looked at me like what kind of she later point? said, Megan, doesn't he understand the dignity of a funeral? What no, kind said, of a No, apparently he doesn't <laughs> because he did that, that laugh. That's <laughs> like, exactly what's funny you know at a funeral story. for my father? I do like Gene's brother, Jerry. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Unbelievable, That's really Jerry. good. I like that. Can you believe she's... And Jerry, pretty? didn't something uh, happen down in Florida? Weren't you on the beach over spring break? Because you have one of your seven houses... <laughs> Some are in foreign countries, I know, yeah. the villas oh. and all that, but you have a place in Florida. <laughs> and uh, tell you. We, we, are, we live in, okay, we live in Sarasota. And we're, yeah, and the beach, it, it's, it's, it seems like an older community in, in some respects. I mean, most of the people, a lot of the people there are my age, whatever, but now there's like a, a hippie community. Really? There. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. And over the last two weeks, I had, you know, Richard, our grandson, down with us, and uh, we go, we're at the beach. And there's this guy, I assume he was, he looked like a hippie back in, the, yeah, yeah. in our time. Throwback. And he's out pretty, you know, he's out in the ocean. Really? And it looks like he may be in trouble. Oh, wow. So, uh, so I go to, so I, I said to the lifeguard, look at that guy over there, you know, out there, you know, I think he needs help. He says, ah, he's too far out. <laughs> So you stole my joke and then yeah. you ruined it. Is what yeah, you really. <laughs> so the joke goes: What did the What did the lifeguard say? Let it to the be told. And the hippie, or the lifeguard Bye. says, "Oh, he's way too far out, man. Yeah. Like you can't." You yeah, can't. yeah he, he needed the man. Yeah, I needed the man. Yeah, he's too far out, man. Well, I just heard it. I didn't have time to work. You on had it. just enough time I to steal to it, God. butcher it, and put it on air. Yes. So I took Richard to a spring training. Told that. So she I took told. Richard to. I can't uh, yeah, you well, stole well that. The, the, the Orioles uh, have spring training in Sarasota, so I took him to the game with his friend Jose, uh-huh. and uh, and then you know before the game they sing the national anthem, and Richard turns to me and says, "Isn't it nice how they wanted to know if Jose could see?" 
Oh, my God. Oh, my God. This is painful. He's is that, seven is years old. He didn't you? know. Seriously? I'm going to take this. Hello? What? That's professional. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. What? No, I've already, I've talked to him about... What? I agree with your position on that, but I, he pays for the podcast, so there's nothing... Oh, I can't control... To Hold on one second. This is Denise Compton. Oh, shut up. From Podcast yeah. Watch. Yeah. Uh, what does she want? Miss Compton, hold one second, please. David, no one can hear this, can they? No. Okay. She's on mute. All right. Um, <laughs> for our listeners, she is from an organization called Podcast Watch, which is a let's say a right wing, I think yeah. it's fair to say yeah. um, kind of a vigilance group, group that watches yeah. over podcasts yeah. and she feels that they are skewed too far to the left and she she's has a big constantly calling me. Yeah. Hold on one second. Yes. Miss Compton. Oh my God. Okay. Why does she have All right. a number? Is my, is my bigger question. I will, I will <laughs> talk to him about that. Thank you. No, I agree with your position on that. Thank you. Bye-bye. Um, he is such a pushover. Stand up yeah. to her. What she here's all, about now? Here's all she's asking. What? She called because, and by the way, for people listening on the archive, we are live streaming. So people, and we have it on our website. And there's now a Jerry Springer radio. It's sort of like a long loop of all the artists who have performed yeah. on our show. But anyway, it shows the upcoming dates when we're, you can listen live. So she's tuning in now live. She heard me introduce the topic you're going to talk about, which is the potential of a contested Republican convention. She mm -hmm. knows you're going to take a position she believes that is a more liberal position. All she's asking, Jerry, is that the next week come back and do a conservative mm -hmm. viewpoint on something, promote the conservative view. And who's going Alternate to do this? one week to the next. Yeah. One week, take a liberal push for something and the next week take a conservative. I'm trying to get enough quarters in social security to retire with dignity. So I don't want to lose this gig. It's Can't you just go, go along to get along, no. get along to go along, whatever the saying it's is. It's too late for you to retire with dignity. I was say, or, do, or do anything with dignity. If you want to retire, yeah, anything go with ahead and retire. Retirement yeah. or anything else. But the dignity, no. Nah, Out the not, door. That's not going to work. Well, I know. she's complaining. Well, yeah, you know, and between no. the three of us, how exactly do you suggest getting a conservative point of view for for thirty five minutes together? Let's 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 think about <laughs> yeah, that. <laughs> yeah, could you think of anything? Yeah. Hey, hey by the way, let, let me just mention one other thing, and I'm not going to name names because I don't know that the deal's gone through. But gosh darn it, Ludlow, Kentucky, and we continue to to hype Ludlow, Kentucky. It feels like it's becoming sort of the Nashville North. Mm -hmm. Because all of these creative class people are moving into Ludlow. And this is really the truth. This is yep. not a joke. And two more people have made a bid on a house. And one of them is a up-and-coming folk singer. And you add that to another couple where there's a folk singer involved. All these creative class people are mm -hmm. moving in. Do they need a loan? I don't know. They might. <laughs> well, well, do Jerry knows a guy. Let's do some <laughs> yeah. business here. Yeah, you could do some business. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, I just always want to kind of yeah, uh, promote cool. that. one. It is. That it's is a cool. very cool place, and there's so much. Yeah. And we have this rich history in the greater Cincinnati area. King Records. Do you remember them? Sure. From years ago. And so the Cincinnati, northern Kentucky area. Is that area, where I did yeah, Bloodshot uh, Eyes? Or say it the, was. It yeah. was at King's Records, Bloodshot yes, Eyes, which them. we played. It made like them. Mount Healthy it made, or something like Yeah, that? you were in there with... It was Pet in Clark Evanston. 
Evanston. Okay. Yeah. Evanston. Yeah. Evanston. It's still there, but there's nothing inside of it. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. Do you still have that? If we could play we, every once in a while. No, David. And we, we have the B side, which we never heard. Well, that's oh, wait okay. A you don't the need. There's no B side. <laughs> oh, the B side is actually no. Linda of Linda and Jerry. And by the way, for Darling listeners, Corey. this is a folk song that uh, a folk group that Jerry was part of many years ago, many many years ago. Hey, Jerry, speaking of Denise Compton and liberal points of view, and I know that you are not a Republican, and nor am I, nor is Megan, but what do you see coming potentially this summer when Republicans gathered? Well, uh, this actually, this may surprise you and make Denise Compton happy, but this is on one issue. I'm I actually agree with the Republican Party uh, in in its debate now or in its uh, confrontation with uh, Donald Trump. Uh, obviously, Trump, he's the nominee and deserves to be the nominee because political parties have the right to make their own rules, and it makes sense. Both political parties have this same rule. It makes sense that no one should get the nomination unless they have 50% of the delegates you know, supporting them, which makes sense. You don't want to go into a general election with a candidate that you can't even get 50% of, your, of the party regulars to support. So that makes sense. You've got to get to 50%. And the reason I say that is, first of all, let's look at a little history. There is nothing in the Constitution about political parties in the first place. It was never even thought that there would be political parties. When George Washington was elected president, he had no opposition, and he served for two terms. And then suddenly it's 1796, and he could run for a third term and would have easily been elected, again, without opposition. But he decided, and probably which was one of the greatest decisions he ever made for our country, he decided that it was important not to come across as a king. And therefore, even though he could run again, there was nothing in the Constitution which, at that time which prohibited it. He decided two terms was enough. Let the people choose another leader. We cannot anoint someone to be the leader of the country. And... Uh, and that's when the political parties really started to form, because who would be the president to follow him? John Adams was his vice president, but he and Thomas Jefferson, who was the secretary of state, they were starting to have differences. And back then, John Adams was the Federalist, which in today's terms would probably be considered a business-type Republican, you know, strong national government. And then... Uh, Jefferson was more what today we would consider a Democrat, more for the little guy uh, back then, you know, farmers, uh, agrarians, uh, and, and keep the power there. We don't need a national bank and all that kind of stuff. That was the beginning of political parties. And, and political parties would choose someone to be their candidate for president by holding a convention, as you do in the business world or in any world, you know, if you're in an industry, you have conventions where you decide what your industry is going to be doing. Well, so political parties decided to have conventions. They would choose every four years who their presidential candidate would be. But the, the convention was made up, obviously, of delegates, and the delegates would be the party leaders, party office holders, contributors to the party. Each party within each state would decide who they would send to this national convention to choose. The first primary didn't happen until 1910 in Oregon. And then two years later, 11 other states joined in having primaries. So in 1912, we had about, someone's going to tell me I'm wrong, but I think it was like 46 states 
back in uh, 1912. It may have been 47, but let's say around 46 states, and only 12 of them had primaries. Now, 1912, it really was the first indication of what we're possibly dealing with here. In 1912, uh, William Howard Taft was the president, and he was running for re-election. And in his own party, the Republican Party, he was now suddenly being opposed by someone who was his biggest supporter four years ago, and that was Teddy Roosevelt. Roosevelt decided to follow George Washington and not serve more than two terms, so he supported Taft to be president. Taft gets to be president, but now they have a falling out. It could have been personal ambition. It could have been issues. So Taft, the president, has an opponent in Republican primaries— 12 states have primaries, and that's Teddy Roosevelt. Teddy Roosevelt wants to take the presidency back from uh, William Howard Taft. And Teddy Roosevelt wins the primaries. But, of course, when they went to the convention, the convention said the hell with the primaries. Taft was the president. He obviously controlled the Republican convention, and he got the nomination. Teddy Roosevelt gets ticked off and runs as an independent, uh, the, the, the Bull Moose Party. And the result was a three-way election, and that's how Woodrow Wilson got to be president of the United States, because Taft and Roosevelt split the vote. Now you had uh, Woodrow Wilson as the president. So that was the first time we saw primaries being a factor in the choice of who the candidate gets to be, but not, in fact, determining it. And it's throughout its history, we never had... Until recently, we never had most states having primaries. There were only just a few. They didn't have a lot of input. In 1960, there still were only 12 primaries. There were a factor then because John Kennedy needed to show the Democratic Party, the Democratic politicians, that a Catholic could be elected in Protestant areas. So he ran in the West Virginia primary. He ran in the Wisconsin primary. And by winning those primaries, all of a sudden, he could persuade the rest of the delegates that he is electable. And as you know, he got the nomination in the presidency. 1968, Hubert Humphrey gets the nomination, and he didn't enter one primary. Remember, it was Bobby Kennedy and Gene McCarthy were winning all the primaries. And then, and then you saw the party leadership came. We're not going to, you know, Bobby obviously had been killed, but we're not going to give it to McCarthy, even though that seemed to be the sentiment of, of the electorate. And the party leaders and Daley gave it to Humphrey, and you saw what happened, the riots at Chicago. But I still say that a political party has a right, under any rules it comes up with, to choose whoever it wants to best represent its values, its positions, its issues, as a candidate. And if the people don't like it, they'll vote against them in November. But it is not right, as you're hearing some of these pundits say, that, you know, you're taking away the rights of the people. A political party is, in a sense, a quasi-private entity. Anyone can start a political party. If you don't like what the Republican Party is doing and you've been voting Republican in your life, fine, then vote independent. Vote the Libertarian Party. Start your own political party. Nothing constitutionally is stopping you from trying to get anyone you want to be president. But there is no constitutional obligation that a political party has to choose someone simply because they win primaries. So I do believe if they block Trump from getting it, 
they will go down soundly to defeat because the Trump people will walk. But then again, if they do choose Trump, they'll go soundly down to defeat, I believe, because the American people will not choose Trump to be president of the United States. And it has nothing to do with issues, by the way. It has to do with competence and fear. And what I mean by competence and fear, one or two weeks before the election, I don't care what the polls are showing, the American people suddenly sober up a week or two before an election and say, you know what, we're choosing president of the United States, a person with its finger on a nuclear button, who's going to be in charge of the nuclear arsenal. Remember, those of you old enough to remember, 1980, every poll indicated Jimmy Carter was viewed at that time because the economy had gone crazy, the hostages being held in Iran, and so the American people did not want Jimmy Carter to be reelected in 1980, but the polls were close a month before the election because they thought Ronald Reagan was just a guy who had been with, uh, what's the name of that movie? Bedtime with Monzo. Right. In other words, no one took Reagan seriously at that time of the American public and the media. They were saying, this guy's he's an actor. He can't be president. We forget that now. But back then, that was the case until the first debate. And everybody watched that first debate, not to see what their positions on the issue, but whether or not Reagan really was this loose cannon. And because Reagan did so great in that first debate, you know, when he turned to Carter and said, well, there you go again, Jimmy. Uh, and all of a sudden, Reagan didn't seem like a crazy person, but rather as kind of a warm, caring uncle. I'm not talking about political issues. I'm just saying how he came across. As soon as America was comfortable with him, the polls went from a, basically a tie between Carter and Reagan to an overwhelming where um, Reagan won something like 44 states against Jimmy Carter. That's the same thing that's going to happen with Trump. In other words, Trump, may, you may view him as popular or whatever, and he's got all these people that really want him. But in the end, even if people don't like Hillary, you know, I'm talking not about Democrats, but about independents. Let's say, oh, they don't want Hillary, whatever. The real question is you are talking about the leader of the free world, the person that will have command over the nuclear arsenal, that if he gets ticked off at someone, are we going to suddenly be in a nuclear war? That is scary. And you know what? Donald Trump will not. And you will throw this back in my face if I'm wrong. But I am telling you, I would bet the ranch, which I don't have among the many houses. Donald Trump will not be elected president of the United States, having nothing to do with his stance on issues, simply because in the end, Responsible people will say, you know what, even if I'm entertained by him on this position, President of the United States, you got to have someone who has some sense of responsibility and education about political issues. All right. Good thoughts, Jerry. Before we bring up Al Scorch, who is a performer from Chicago, I wanted to reverse field here for a second. And uh, Megan, uh, turn, why did I know my name was going to be mentioned to you there for a How second, Megan? When we were goofing around before about the women that came over with the shots, yeah, we are less uh, 
at least especially at this era of our lives, like <laughs> hard charging partiers, right. you know, 36 straight hours. You on the other <laughs> hand, you on the other hand. I don't know why you hand. would say that. I yeah, don't know you, what would lead you to believe you that. You can run with those fast I dolls. Know I what know what you're talking about, Mr. Galvin. We're and asleep I, at nine o'clock in the evening. <laughs> And Megan, we are not going to ask you to speak about this, but this has to do with your dating life. Let's turn for a moment to your dating life. May I we? love this show. Yeah. I just love this There's show. There's suddenly <laughs> discomfort in the audience. No, no, no. And you have, you have, and we've talked about this before, you have a normal dating life. I you're, do. you're a social woman. You, I am a social woman. You have woman. a good job and you're out. What are you saying? No. I'm not like that. A social woman. No. I didn't take it like that. Why did you no. take yeah, it like that? Yeah. That's exactly how he meant it. <laughs> hey, Megan. I'm an outgoing And woman. you're using <laughs> modern tools. Yes. You use the internet that sometimes. Modern technology. Oh, yes. Well, because it saves time. And, and, you know. <laughs> what is he talking? about I'm gonna shoot you but both. megan there I'm is a shoot you both. let me let me just say this this is i'll take us right to the edge but after the show we have we have a dinner we go to dinner we, we yes. do the cast does because we have to have business meetings we have a lot of stuff <laughs> and we have to discuss what? a business yeah, plan hey, megan we have a new we have a new thing coming we have a new evolution in the podcast and okay. and we're not ready to announce it but we have to have a meeting about that it's imminent Yep. And but we'll spend some time talking about you had a date on last Saturday. Yep. And it's not we're not going to discuss it here on the podcast, <laughs> no, are we? Are we? Not. No, we are definitely not. <laughs> not are even we? a little bit. Not even a little bit. But anyway, <laughs> I just want highlights. Yeah, nope. give us the highlights. <laughs> I'm gonna kill you both. We'll get it later. <laughs> hey, but here's one other thing, Jared, before we bring out Scorch Up. You were the one on another podcast. <laughs> For the people at home, he's pointing at me. Yes, <laughs> Jerry. <laughs> you you, Jerry, on yeah. another podcast pointed out. And, and I give you high props for this. You really are out digging up good stuff, things we don't think of. And you caught early that the Republican Party, who is very pro-gun, they live in fear of the NRA, the National Rifle Association, and it's total pandering. And But they won't let guns, speaking of a contested oh, convention, the Cleveland convention, at the Cleveland Convention. Yep. That is the epitome of hypocrisy. Yep. They claim they believe that in dangerous situations and all of the, and everybody should be packing and, and because it protects all of us. They are against. And they will not let them bring guns to that convention. And we all can figure out why. That could just get crazy. <laughs> well, yeah. well, sure. And I'm, I'm not advocating that they no, should. Nor am I, by the way. But, but it shows the hypocrisy because many of them, let's not lump them all in. But many of them are fighting against gun-free zones, even around schools and stuff yeah, like churches that. Churches and, you know, <clears throat> liquor stores. So or why is it when it's suddenly Republicans meeting there, we got to protect, we got to protect ourselves. Oh, yeah, the potential for the crazy. And yet, for the public at large, screw it. Many people want to have guns and go into big crowd situations. You know, yeah, they can, you can put up a sign that said you can't bring your gun into this bar, but, they, you know... When you walk out of a bar, you're not suddenly sober, you know, and, you know, who hasn't seen in there particularly, I'm thinking about young people, college kids, Mm -hmm. Friday night coming out of a college bar, they've obviously been drinking too much, they get in a fight over some girl they saw at the bar, hey, what were you talking to, she's with me, and, you know, they're fighting. Well, some of these crazies, you know, the... The whole idea of being a teenager is that you don't have much judgment. That's what a teenager is, someone who doesn't have judgment. 
And now the hypocrisy, as you rightly say, Gene, saying, well, but not at a Republican convention. It's their home. It's their gathering. As you pointed out earlier, it's a quasi-private organization. They have total control of what we go on. Well, they do and they don't. It's in a building that has its own rules. But what I wondered, if they wanted to be consistent in their viewpoint, that they wouldn't make a big public issue out of getting the, it's the Cleveland Basketball Arena, and I forget what it's called. Gund. It's the Gund Center, G-U-N-N, right? G-U-N-D. G-U-N-D, right. And and why don't they make a pup to show their value of uh, the freedom, sec, Second Amendment freedoms to uh, have guns? What there? they will say, and this I think is their one defense, what they will say, even though that's not the reason they're doing it, is you have the Secret Service involved. And the Secret Service is rightfully protecting the candidates. Uh, after you get a certain number of votes or primaries, whatever, you are entitled to Secret Service protection. And Secret Service would say, you know, no guns in the place. And and that is more so than what the Cleveland ordinance might be or whatever rules the Republicans say. Even if the Republicans said, okay, you can bring guns, uh, the Secret Service would probably take them aside and say, you're making our job impossible. You've got 3,000 delegates out there and crazy protesters or whatever, crazy delegates. Why am I saying crazy protesters? Uh, But just people with guns and getting very upset in a heated situation. So I could see the Secret Service saying that. Look, I I think they should ban the guns there anyway. Yeah, I do too. I'm not promoting that they should have them. The hypocrisy of their position, and it's okay to, but how can you be against gun-free zones and then say it's, you know, we're not going to have it at the convention? All right, we have Al Scorcher with us tonight. Let's give a round of applause to Al. And Al is from uh, Chicago, Illinois. And uh, by the way, please check out his new album, which was uh, produced by Bloodshot Records. And uh, he has... He has... And yet so far. He has other uh, records out, but this is the latest one. He has a one that is coming out may 13th is coming out and uh so we appreciate you coming down from chicago and uh we would love to uh hear a song and who is accompanying you oh this is uh jess mcintosh on the fiddle hey jess how you doing thanks for joining us as well alice here uh, your first song please all right thanks so much this one's about freedom of speech the right to assemble and that good old american tradition of doing what you damn well please in the face of unjust laws so here you go it's called everybody out Everybody out, the place is hot, some blue nose bastard blew the spot, and we got to get going, and we're gonna get gotten, let's go, yeah, let's go. I bust the hoop on the bail, dump the hooch in the gin, any moment that door will come busting, but the exiles, man, ain't gonna get no grin off of me, oh yeah, he'll see what doesn't see, he knows nothing, no. Close another bottle shop, we whoop, whoop. 
every barrel you could crack Every pot you could shut down Every sea you think we got But we'd still stoke the fire Stoke it burning hot Watch it blow, yeah Watch it blow, it blows alone Except the one you make I'll let your true light show Let it show Fantastic. Al Scorch, his new album coming out is called Circle Round the Signs. It'll be out May 13th. And uh, you got a nice mention by NPR recently. Tell us what that was about. Oh, they, uh, they came down to South by Southwest where we were playing. And uh, some of the folks from uh, All Songs Considered there saw us playing. They said some nice things about us. Nice. That was good, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, good. Loved, our, they loved our music, and they, uh, it was very nice. How long have you been doing this, and how did you get into this, particularly Roots Music? Uh, I, uh, so growing up in Chicago, my, uh, family played folk music. Really? My dad played piano and my mom played banjo and sang and stuff like that. Kind of a dabbler and there's always music in the house and the Old Town School of Folk Music is there. Is anyone familiar with Chicago? We've heard about it. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 So all kinds of stuff there. I act, this is true. I just, when you said that, I actually took guitar lessons there. Shut up. In Chicago. I just remembered that. Aww, yeah, is- yeah. when I was in law, law school. So I guess it was 1967. Would your dad have um, been there? He, yeah, he would have been there in 67. Yeah, he would have. What would he have been doing in 67? He probably wasn't born. Your grandparents were in there. No, 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 no. <laughs> no, but I just, I don't mean to interrupt what you said, but no, no. I know the school. But that's great. And you went, so you were up in Evanston at Northwestern? Yeah. 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 I was at that must have been now, so by the cool way, and no that. offense to your dad, but Jerry, yeah. Jerry really sucks playing at the guitar, by the way. So I don't I don't mean it's, to offend his father, offensive. but it really yeah. is. Well no. I I didn't do my homework. <laughs> no, actually Jerry. I actually remember that school when you just mentioned it and I was like, Oh my god, I was yeah. Right yeah. on Small the world. right on the brown line there on Armitage, yes. probably the one. Yeah, yeah. So they have like two huge new buildings now. Yeah. So as it as it goes. They're a big they're a big uh, nonprofit. Do a second song for us, would you, Al? All right, here we go. Al Scorch in Jess on the fiddle. There we go. The song's called Lost at Sea. Through the window, I thought of a world without you. 
Bloodshot Records, May 13th. Look for that album. That is great. Awesome. Circle Records. Awesome. Yeah. Thanks for having us. Whoa. Yeah. Hell yeah. Would you guys take us out on Irene Goodnight and Jerry oh, Springer? Yeah. Do you have a preferred key? <laughs> He's talking to you. Uh, L Sharp. L Sharp. No such thing. Irene Goodnight. You've been listening to Tales, Tunes, and Tomfoolery. Recorded live at the Folk School Coffee Parlor in Ludlow, Kentucky. Thanks to Patrick Kennedy for writing our opening song, and to you for listening. Check out our website at jerryspringer.com. Well, I love Irene, Lord knows I do. Love her till the seas run dry. But if Irene ever leaves me, I'm gonna take morphine and die.